the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. A fireman can rescue somebody from a burning building. A lifeguard can rescue somebody drowning in a pool. And we go about our merry way. But when God rescues, oh, let's talk about it. Rescue somebody drowning or somebody in a burning building, well, they don't change. They may have been saved, their lives may go on, but that's about it. Yet, when God rescues somebody from the penalty of their sin, He does something quite amazing. As we have seen in the past, He justifies us, but then He gives us a brand new identity. He changes who we are. And that is the subject of our time today as we close out the week on our Friday broadcast of Truth For Today, our new identity in Christ. Here's Pastor Phil. Today I want us to look at our identity in Jesus Christ, our identity in Jesus Christ. And I want to look at three things. How God views your standing in Adam. If he just saw you in Adam, which we all are, by our natural birth, uh, what that status would look like and how God describes it. And then we want to look at how God views us with our standing if he sees us in Jesus Christ. And finally, I would like to just lift some verses uh, that tell you some of the things that are true of you that can only be true if you're in Christ And really to realize how rich we are as believers. To think of what is true now of us in Jesus Christ. Uh, Years ago, uh, Robert McGee wrote a book, The Search for Significant. Uh, It was mainly used in Christian counseling. But uh, we want to bring that up. But it does a great uh, chart in there about how we think and what our belief system is determines how we think. Uh, It will determine how we act and then it will determine how we feel. So your viewpoint of things, how you view yourself, how you view your world uh, determines how you think, what you think about yourself. And then out of that, it will lead to probably the way you act and carry out your behavior. And then you'll have following emotions about that. And uh, he gave the illustration that if you only saw yourself, there's two models. He said, if you listen just to the voice of Satan, you would have one readout. And then he gives the rebuttal, God's voice to us. And let's take a look at just the examples that Robert McGee gave. Uh, He said, Satan's lie. Your worth equals your performance plus others' opinions. Uh, I think most people get that kind of, that's, uh, I am how I perform, 
and I am how my peers describe me. And so you take youth especially, they're so they're developing their self-image and developing how they view themselves, peer approval, peer uh, impressions, very important. But then the counter is God's answer. Your worth, what God says about you. And without Christ, you only have Satan's view, uh, or maybe the view that was shaped in your family system. That's why family system is so important. And uh, you could uh, hush that down, but your parents had a lot to do with how you view yourself. A lot to do, negative or positive. Uh, the home that you grew up in, pos- education, peers, uh, maybe the environment, uh, what kind of neighborhood you grew up in. It goes on there, Satan's lie. Those who fail are unworthy of love and deserve to be blamed and condemned. God's answer is, my son propitiated me or he has satisfied my anger towards you. I'm not mad at you. I, I have a ground in Christ where I'm totally satisfied. All divine expectations in my son have been met on your behalf. If you, you follow, I must meet certain standards to feel good about myself. Justification, I got a right standing with God based on faith alone. Not on performance, but just faith. Another has won my acceptance. Another has given me my status. Uh, finally, here's a, a worn out one. I am what I am. I can't change. Oh, yes, you can. Because God regenerates people. He saves them. He gives them a new birth. He inscribes his law on the heart. And he begins to put them on the potter's wheel. And begins to shape you into the image of his son. And so in that, uh, you talk to people. And and today, what a day of confusion. Uh, Identity. Uh, It's either racial. I'm always talking about my ethnicity. Uh, or we're in a day uh, I, I'm trying to decide what gender I want to be I mean uh, I don't know which bathroom I should go to uh, I was born anatomically one way but in my mind I really want to be the opposite of what my biological makeup is so I decided I'm going to that image I want hormone shots I want surgeries. I want to become what I picked, not what the potter picked. The clay is telling the potter, I want to be a certain way. And if he doesn't make me that way, I'll make myself that way. So, a lot. Uh, some people's identity is politics. What, what party are You know, I, I get tired of people, when you start traveling over the world... You know what, when I meet someone, I've been in North Africa, been in Europe, been in Asia. You know what, I keep looking for Christian brothers and sisters. Well, I'm an Anglo-Christian. What's Anglo got to do with it? I'm African-American. What does that have? Are you a Christian? How about you saying, I'm in Christ. I don't care if you're male or female. I don't care what country. God determined all that other stuff. Your gender, your neighborhood, 
I think even your IQ. I mean, they're all gifts from God, right? So why do we make a big fuss about the equipment and the way he made us? Paul comes in Romans 5, 12, and he's going to carry it primarily through chapter 6. And he's going to say, God has declared right those who put faith in Christ. And over and over, chapter 3 to this 5, we're justified, we're justified. We're right with God. Look at what your standing is if you're in Adam. If you've just been naturally born and you identify with Adam because he and Eve were the beginning of the race. Listen to this. He says this. Therefore, verse 12, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man. And all of us men are wondering, why didn't you say Eve? Why didn't you say through one woman? I don't know. God held the man responsible. Came through one man. And death through sin. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. Right there. And people, they go ballistic over this. What do you mean? I wasn't in the garden. I wasn't in the garden. Why should I be blamed for what another man did? Well, why were you ever born? It was another man's decision, not yours. And if you shoot down Adam representing you, you're going to give up the fact that Christ could represent you. So two men, two trees. So he sinned, was in the world before the law of Moses was given... But sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. They were not in the garden with Adam, but they've got the same physical consequences, death. Because God said, I see the race similarly in the loins of Adam. And what he did, I'm going to impute and charge to all of his posterity. And if you don't like it, stop dying. Stop physical death. Who was a type, notice, was a type of the one who was to come. How's that? Watch this. But the free gift, Christ, is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. It only abounds for those who belong to Christ. And the free gift is not like the result of the one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. Adam brought condemnation, brought death. Christ brought righteousness and justification. Now, you're either in Adam or in Christ. You started in Adam... You want to get out of him as soon as you can and get into Christ. He keeps on. Let's pick up verse 18. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act 
of righteousness. Christ, obedience to the Father, the cross. His one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. It is for all men who come to him. Adam, it's everybody universally. This Christ justification, only those who put faith. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. So what's he saying? First Adam, last Adam. Uh, One trespass, one man's sin, one man's disobedience. And what happened? It brought sin, it brought death, it brought judgment, it brought condemnation. And they said, but there was another man, Christ, who through the act of a righteousness, obedience to the Father and going to the cross, one man's obedience has brought the free gift, brought the grace, brought justification. So he's saying, if I see you only in Adam, you're condemned. You are certainly all the race, even believers are physically dying, though Christ has forever changed that for us. But how does God view you? What is your identity? He goes on, well, if that's the way it was, he says that in brief, he just goes on, he's getting ready to say justification happened in the past. But we need some information to know how to live in the present because he's going to start telling us how the justified ones should live in the earth. And he starts dealing with what we call in theology sanctification, holy life, the life being lived as God intended. You see, when he justified you, he did not make you personally righteous. You still had sin. He declared you righteous before the Father. But he has to do a whole lot inside of you to get you to live righteous. And that seems a living contradiction. But listen to what he says. I think he perceived they're accusing him of teaching so much grace and justification that it doesn't matter how you live. And he picks up the argument. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? This grace of justification, this grace of Christ represents me, I can live any way I want. We're being accused of that, Paul says. You probably haven't taught enough grace until you get accused of this. So he taught enough grace to be accused. And so he goes on. By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Did you know that all of you died to sin? And you're saying, man, you haven't seen the way I live this week. You don't know the argument I had on the way to church. You don't know how to talk, anger, language, attitudes. But he, he asks you a question. Let me ask you. He does it three times. Verse 3, 6, and 9. Don't you know? Don't I know what? You died to sin. And I think you probably want to bust out laughing. He said, well, men... Someone tell my wife that. Someone tell my kids that. 
Because, man, I seem to stay fairly current on sin. You die to sin. Well, if you did, why are you still living in it? Why are you living in it? It doesn't make sense to go to the cemetery and see all the corpses sinning. Please just make the trip with me, would you? (laughs) I know it's a strain. So he's saying, in God's mind, you died. So you shouldn't be available to sin. Well, am I dead or am I alive? Well, you're both. And some of you look more dead than alive. (laughs) Listen to what he says. Uh, Verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Most commentators take this baptism to be water. That's the common view. Uh, But the realities that are being described were not physical. They were spiritual, positional realities. The six baptisms in the Bible. Three are wet, three are dry. Baptism in fire is fairly dry. (laughs) Baptism by the Spirit is dry. Uh, baptism into Moses and the cloud, 1 Corinthians 10, dry. John's baptism, wet. Christ's baptism, wet. Believers, water baptism, for sure wet. But I think this is spirit baptism, that the moment there's faith and you become God's child, he takes and he immerses you into Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says that. And uh, there's four metaphors in Scripture about our union with Christ. One is we're a stone in the building. And we fitly join, he said. You are joined together. So union. Union with Christ. We are likened to a branch and a vine. Union with his life. Union with his life. We're likened unto a wife to a husband. They have become one. The mystery. There is a union there. We are likened to the members of a body connected to a head. There is union. God can do nothing for anyone until he sees you united to his son. John Murray made a great comment. He said, union with Christ is more important and opens the door to all salvation blessings. He can't justify you until he has you in Christ. He can't do anything for you until he gets you in Christ. In Christ. Over a hundred times in the New Testament, we're said to be in Christ, in the Lord, in Jesus. We are united. We're so united that 1 Corinthians tells the immoral Corinthians, stop taking your body to the brothels. For when you have sex with a prostitute, you join Christ to that woman. 1 Corinthians 6. 15 to 18. Stop joining your body to something that Christ wants to get out of bed from. 
When you sin, Christ is there. When you sin, you take Christ when you're a member of his body. That was his big moral pitch. Stop using your body in a way that humiliates Christ. So, he is saying to them, don't you know that your new status before God in Christ is that you died, that you're buried with him, and the Spirit did that, and now God says he was crucified with Christ at the cross. He's been thoroughly buried. And the thing he ends on, we've been raised to newness of life. So he says, let's pick up the new life. Let's quit hanging around, as it were, to where you died. That was at the cross. That's where justification. But he raised Christ so that he might justify you. I want the justified to live like they're walking in newness of life. Newness of life. And we'll come into the rest of chapter 6. Listen to me. Listen to me. According to the book of Romans, you are no longer obligated to sin. You are no longer to be subject to the slavery of sin. God didn't give his son so you could stay in bondage. And we need to get a good revival of theology that says, I can live above sin. Sin shall not reign in my body. I belong to another. I've been set free. Instead of this, well, I just can't help it. You know, God knows I'm weak. That's why he died for you, mister. That's why he gave you the Holy Spirit, mister. He gave you the help you need. Quit saying you can't overcome sin. You know, it reminds me of the, when you read the history of the Civil War and you read of the plight of the American slave, that it was one thing to win a civil war and to sign an emancipation proclamation, but many a black man and a black woman after the war's over didn't know what to do next. They owned no property. They'd been under white masters. They actually did not own currency. They dealt in scrip. They dealt with scrip and family. Uh, on the plantation, you had the little store. And you had to buy from the master. He set the prices. And all of a sudden, you say, the war's over. Lee went up to Appomattox. And he's met with Grant. This sign, war over. All you folks are free. Wait a minute, it doesn't come that easy. Free. Free with nothing. Free with no land. Free with no job. I got this shanty that they now want to put me out of. All I know are these cotton fields. All I know is slavery. You're telling me I'm an American. I, I don't even know what an American citizen is. You said you're free. Now, that's why it is with a lot of Christians. You're free. Free what? To sin? Or to keep acting like I've always acted? No. Free to a brand new life in Jesus. 
And you're listening to Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. As we close out our broadcast today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the program encourages you in Christ and how this program is being used by you on a daily basis. Are we just a normal part of your radio listening? Do you tap into our resources available at our website? Have you visited our church? These are things we would love to hear from you. Take a moment, call or write to us today. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. You're also welcome to visit our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Take advantage of the resource materials I mentioned a moment ago. We have several. Again, truthfortodayradio.org. You'll also find information about Valley Bible Church right there as well, who we are, what we believe, worship times, services, and directions to the church. We'd love to have you join us, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Again, that's truthfortodayradio.org. If you're writing to us, our address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. And then, as we conclude our time together today, we would also invite you to partner with us. This radio broadcast and the many resources that accompany it are available as you partner with us, as you link arms with us financially and prayerfully. No gift is too small, no gift is too large, and you can do a one-time gift or make monthly pledges. No matter, we'd love to have you be a partner with us as we continue to minister the gospel of Christ to the Bay Area and beyond. So contact us today. Our phone number is 855-833-9864. And you can also donate online at truthfortodayradio.org. That's truthfortodayradio.org. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today. Today.